Welcome to Day 184, Season 2, Shaped by the Word, the Drama of Scripture. And we are experiencing an incredible drama here, but it is not uh, not resolving itself and, you know, at this point in the story in a way we would want to. Matter of fact, it's hard from where we are to see the hope of Christ that will you know, emerge as, as the center point of uh, this biblical story. But what we see is we see the continuing effects of the fall is the people do what is right in their own eyes. They, they seek their definitions of good and evil and what is fitting and what is suiting for them. And so the nation of Israel has had a, a moment where it's united under you know Saul and then David and Solomon, and it reaches the height of its uh, you know godliness and religious fervor under a king after God's own heart, but even he fails miserably, and the nation falls into decay. And the son reigning after him also starts off well, but uh, immediately he's captured by the wealth and by the prestige around him and falls away. And his son is not nearly what he is. So the kingdom is divided into God has promised one who's not from the line of David that he will give him a place and give him a, a house if you'll be faithful to him. But one of the first things he does is goes back all the way to the very first error of the nation and erects these idols and these altars and you know, looks at something that is tangible that you can touch and control and says, this is this is our God. Uh, it's not God, but this is the God we want and the kind of God we want. So we see uh, the disintegration in the nation who has already been ripped away uh, you know, from part of it as we continue in First uh, Kings chapter 14. Uh, Paul Kemp here with David Keefe, Matt Kresge, and Katie Kresge. And uh, David Keefe, Want to lead us, you know, as we offer our hearts and ourselves to the Lord. Now let's pray. And Father, we uh, we come before your word humbly. Um, we thank you that your word is living and active. It does a great work in us, and we ask now that that it would do just that. Um, open our eyes to see uh, wonderful truths from your word, and as we gaze uh, upon the beauty of the biblical story, uh, may may we be in awe and, and in wonder of, of your great love for your people, though they go away from you time and time again. Um, you are the faithful, covenant-keeping God. And so thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your great love. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. First Kings 14. At that time, Abijah, son of Jeroboam, became ill, and Jeroboam said to his wife, Go disguise yourself. So he won't be recognized as the wife of Jeroboam, then go to Shiloh. Ahijah the prophet is there, uh, the one who told me I would be king over this people. Take ten loaves of bread with you, some cakes, and a jar of honey, and go to him. He will tell you what will happen to the boy. So Jeroboam's wife did what he said and went to Ahijah's house in Shiloh. Now Ahijah could not see, the sight was gone because of his age, but the Lord had told Ahijah, Jeroboam's wife is coming to ask you about her son, for he is ill, and you are to give her such and such an answer. When she arrives, she will pretend to be someone else. So when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps at the door, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam, why this pretense? I've been sent to you with bad news. Go tell Jeroboam that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I raised you up from among the people and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. Tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you, but you've not been like my servant David, who kept my commands and followed me with all of his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. You've done more evil than all who lived before you. You've made yourself other gods, idols made of metal. You've aroused my anger, 
and turns your back on me. Because of this, I'm going to bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. I'll cut off from Jeroboam every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will burn up the house of Jeroboam as one burns dung until it is all gone. Dogs will eat those belonging to Jeroboam who die in the city, and the birds will feed on those who die in the country. The Lord has spoken. As for you, go back home. When you set your foot in your city, the boy will die. All Israel will mourn for him and bury him. He is the only one belonging to Jeroboam who will be buried because he is the only one in the house of Jeroboam in whom the Lord, the God of Israel, has found anything good. The Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who will cut off the family of Jeroboam. Even now this is beginning to happen. And the Lord will strike Israel so that it will be like a reed swaying in the water. He will uproot Israel from this good land that he gave to their ancestors and scatter them beyond the Euphrates River because they aroused the Lord's anger by making Asherah poles. And he will give Israel up because of the sins Jeroboam has committed and has caused Israel to commit. Then Jeroboam's wife got up and left and went to Tirzah. As soon as she stepped over the threshold of the house, the boy died. They buried him, and all Israel mourned for him, as the Lord had said through his servant, the prophet Ahijah. The other events of Jeroboam's reign, his wars, how he ruled, are written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel. He reigned for 22 years and then rested with his ancestors, and Nadab his son succeeded him as king. Rehoboam, son of Solomon, was king in Judah. He was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel in which to put his name. His mother's name was Naama. She was an Ammonite. Judah did evil in the, sight of, in the eyes of the Lord. By the sins they committed, they stirred up his jealous anger more than those who were before them had done. They also set up for themselves high places, sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. There were even male-shrined prostitutes in the land. The people engaged in all the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem. He carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything, including all the gold shields Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards bore the shields, and afterwards they returned them to the guard room. As for the other events of Rehoboam's reign, all he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the king of Judah? There were continual warfare between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and Rehoboam rested with his ancestors and was buried with them in the city of David. His mother's name was Naama. She was an Ammonite. And Abijah, his son, succeeded him as king. So as bad as things are in Israel, you're hoping uh, there will be a holdout in Jerusalem, at least in Jerusalem, people will be faithful to God, and you see some of the same things happening, even though they're still worshiping the temple, they're setting up all of these high places. And even to the point, you know, that there are male shrine prostitutes, and these, these are, of course, some of the sins and some of the detestable acts, you know, that God actually said as he was allowing the sins of the Canaanites to fulfill, you know, come into their fullness, uh, that he would, you know, vomit them out of the land uh, because they had defiled the land. And you find Israel, again, looking more like the nations than like the people God had called them to be as a witness, you know, to the nations. So uh, our, our story is not a really good story at this point. We're not hanging on by the edges of our seat. We're a little bit, you know, kind of repulsed. 
but we are waiting for yeah. a better king. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they set us up for. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we see when God sets Israel apart, he, he does exactly that. He sets them apart to be his people, to be a light to the nations. Yeah, and you get that kind of devastating line that the people engaged in all the detestable practices of the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. They were no different than every other nation around them. And in fact, it went to the very core of, of how they interacted you know, vertically with God that, that rather than interacting with, with God and, and worshiping Him according to how He desired to be worshipped, that you know, they're, they're worshiping anything and everything, whatever they can find. They're, they've joined in the detestable mm-hmm. practices. I mean, it's, you know, it's chaos. Yeah. Um, and what a nice description, worshiping anything and everything, anything much. they could find. Yeah. And, and that's actually, you know, kind of, kind of descriptions. Everything but a faithful God who has delivered them <laughs> from their hand of the enemies and shown his mighty arm and has invited them to be his treasured possession you know, among among the nations. And, and, and as we've always alluded to, or many times have alluded to in the podcast, we get frustrated with them because, you know, we, we want them to see who God is and to serve Him faithfully and to enjoy the riches of His grace and His blessing. Then we look at ourselves and we see how quickly we're drawn away by, in Matthew Kresge's, in, in case you didn't catch it by the tone of his voice, in Matthew Kresge's description of anything and everything we could find <laughs> becomes a substitute for the one thing in which the fullness of grace has been demonstrated to us and the fullness of life has been given to us as a gift. Yeah, I think I'm just struck by how quickly, um, because the Lord is not being worshipped, he is not being um, held as the one true God in, um, in Israel now, um, you see just the downfall happen. You ha- you see it happen so quickly. I mean, in the fifth year, so this is verse 25, the fifth year of King Rehoboam. So only five years after Solomon is no longer king, the, the king of Egypt attacks and carries off all the treasures of the temple of the Lord, all the treasures of the royal palace. I mean, the, you said earlier that Solomon's reign was kind of the pinnacle of like, wealth and um and growth and just like this i don't even know how to describe it just like the climax of of israel yeah yeah and so you see this mountaintop experience with solomon and it takes five years before everything that kind of represented this um i don't know god's pleasure god's grace towards his people um, is carried off by the king of Egypt. I don't know. That's it. Doesn't take long, and I feel like it's it's because he has. What is it? Is in Isaiah when he says that he's going to allow his vineyards to be overgrown and to be attacked. And um, wow. no, we already have the seeds of that. You know, obviously, and 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 with the prophecy, even at Jeroboam, although the nation will be around for another hundred and twenty years, mm-hmm. you you see that you will be carried off beyond the river. Mm-hmm. And, and so you see the prophecy that is already in Deuteronomy as well, that you will be unfaithful and that you will be exiled. And a call, you know, you know from there, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to revival. But it is a, it is a hard, you know, hard thing to read and a hard thing to look at. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy, when, and as you're reading through the Old Testament, it's, you can see how the New Testament writers so often were picking up on so many of the things coming that we're, that we're reading here in the Old Testament, even, I don't know if Peter is thinking of this exact passage, but, you know, when he begins describing this new covenant people, we're seeing that 
the people of Israel here, they're, they're just like the other nations. But then Peter, kind of drawing on this, he begins, he, he calls the church. He goes, you know, and First Peter says, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And then he even goes on right after that to tell them, so live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they end up glorifying your father. Yeah. You know, and so we see them not living those lives, but we know that in light of Christ, we have been called as as the people of God to live those lives. And so it's yeah. just interesting how mm. it, it all begins tying together. As, as his people, everything Israel could have been, we now can be mm. in, in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, they're, they're wonderful gifts that you know, come with that new covenant that allow us you know, to be you know, to be his people. Mm-hmm. So we have not only a nation split in two, but we have uh, both of them pursuing yeah. you know, other gods and uh, and uh, prostituting themselves <laughs> to that and, and yeah. seeing the detestable it, things. It's fascinating, you know, as we've kind of been watching the kings unfold and we're going to continue to see mm-hmm. it. It kind of so goes the king, so goes the nation. You know, the faithfulness of the people is tied to the faithfulness mm-hmm. of the king. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of gospel implications there you know, that we don't have wow. time to get to. But here it is, both kings of the north and south you know, ha- have failed to be the kind of king that God's called them to be. And the result of it is, is both people failed to be the kind of people that God has called them to be. And you know, God is uh, putting greater responsibility on the leader. You know, the sins that Jeroboam committed and caused the people you know, to commit under his leadership and under his under his guidance. Father, uh, we, we, we see the reflection of a nation that, that you created for your purposes and your glory being everything but a reflection of your heart and glory. And, and we're deeply saddened. Uh, but we look in our own heart and, and see our failings as well. We thank you for your faithfulness to us and we thank you for your provision in which you've taken out of us a heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh and put a new spirit in us and a given us your spirit to move us to be the people you have called us to be, to do the things that you have called us to do. May we be faithful to your gospel and not look so much like the nations around us as we look like our king. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.